Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, today we're here with Michelle and Michelle. <laughs> There's two Michelles in the room. There's two Michelles. Anastasi. Uh, Michelle, you mentioned that your husband is also an entrepreneur. So has he been an entrepreneur like throughout your marriage? How yes. did you guys meet? And then how do you now make it work with your entrepreneurial dreams? Great question. <laughs> uh, we actually met at the headquarters of Microsoft, which is funny. In Seattle? In Seattle. Mm. And we were both living 10 blocks from each other. Uh, he had just started, he, he started a marketing agency called Lead Dog Marketing Group out of his apartment, literally based on a t-shirt. And he sold it three years ago. He's still the CEO to a big holding company, but it ended up growing to be one of the largest marketing, sports marketing agencies in the country. Wow. They do like the Live Your Best Life tour with Oprah, um, all kinds of huge events, bringing NASCAR into Times Square, the NF, so... Congrats it's to a, him. For, we're, yeah. we're two different types of entrepreneurs. <laughs> <laughs> He's, it became a huge, you know, 300 and some people working there, offices in multiple cities. So that's been very interesting. And I've actually learned a lot from him, learned mm -hmm. a lot just how business works, marketing. But I got to say, in the beginning, we did not have a lot of equity related to our lifestyle. And it's been a very interesting and cathartic and healing process, finally having a better conversation about that and the inequity. Because, because I had a small business two blocks from our house and apartment, and sort of a lot of things just based on my own personality, too, and I think sometimes a lot of women probably carry that, you know, oh, you like cooking, so you end up doing it, or, well, you're nearby. And um, we call it the default parent in my yeah, house. Yeah, exactly. So that was, and because his job was exponentially bigger than mine, and right. his travel schedule was erratic and constant, and so, you know, that's been definitely a learning for both of us, a learning in me, even just in speaking up, to be honest, and, and demanding more and feeling like my own self-worth had to grow in order to see that more. Because so, I do think that we can tend to just, I got it, I can do it. Right. But those are two different things, right? Of right. course I can. But does it feel good to take it all on just because, you know, or to be able to have like a really thoughtful and mindful conversation about it? So luckily, it's more equitable now. But I'll be honest, it wasn't always. So how did you get there? Because I, I therapy. feel like... <laughs> well, therapy will definitely help. But you know, I think in, in the early stages when you have... Like in, when they're much younger, it's... The workload seems enormous, right? And a lot of it actually he cannot do, like nursing. I and just, a lot of it's invisible. Right. Or like there's so many doctor visits when they're little. I mean, I feel like I'm going to the doctor all the time. Mm -hmm. And guess who has a more flexible schedule? It's me. So I do it all. I do all of the school stuff. I do all, you know, it's. Yeah, the like, new clothes that, you know. Right. Everything, everything just appears out of nowhere in, in his mind, right? Like it just all gets done. Right. But how, so how, how did you find the equity or equality in that? And, and what were some key points for you that made a difference? I think we found the equity because we honestly found our, or found ourselves, at least from my perspective, where I thought this is not going to be a sustainable relationship. Mm. And I honestly, for lack of a better word, felt like this is going to fall apart unless something changes. And it wasn't easy. Even in the beginning of therapy, there was still a lot of like, 
well, and I think that we finally realized, actually, I read an article about what the term they use, emotional labor, which yes. literally helped both of us. Yeah. No, it is emotional labor. And the it was described as all the little things, the invisible little things that aren't communicated. For example, your husband could take your daughter to soccer and be the coach. And, but you probably are the one that got the shoes, signed up, went to the doctor to get the health form, all this stuff. And again, it's not a competition, but these are things that are so added on to all of that, that. How do do we change that? I mean, we've talked about this a few times on the podcast, but like, is it us just not saying, Hey, you know, he's, his feet are going to grow and you're probably going to have to try those shoes on to see if they're old. I feel you know, like, like this is also a problem though. Cause I do a lot of emotional labor in that I'm reminding him constantly to do stuff. So even if he's doing it, he's still not really doing it because I still have to remember like the amount of, of stuff I need to keep in my brain at all times is exhausting. And so I, I don't know how to get to a point where well, that was, like, I think what you're saying is reminded me at one point, no joke. I almost said it to myself as a point of bragging. And I thought, I don't want to brag about this. Right. I said to myself, I'm literally like a superhero. Yeah. <laughs> you are. I, I, I just meant like the amount of stuff I get done in a day. And I thought to myself, that's what it, that said so much at that point. It's like, it's not about me being able to get so much done. But it did take a while. It did take a lot of undoing and and really looking at that. Because there's also, not to get all political, but there's so much like patriarchy mm-hmm. stuff, it's true, you though. know, and yeah. privilege. You know, what I've learned about privilege, it's really like, I know that's an, a very loaded word, but to me, it feels like privilege is something that affects something, but it doesn't really affect you, right? right. And it's, privilege can happen in, in in, in, a relationship. in relationships yeah. and look what privilege does in societies. So when you think about it from that and, and again, it's like, I'd be happy to actually do more because I have more, but I don't want it to be the assumption or the default or the, well, you can, but it's also, it, this isn't a blame on my husband. I fully participated in it for a long time. Yeah. How did you do it with, I mean, the cafe was it open like nine to... Seven days a week. Seven days a week, nine to... Seven o'clock in the morning till seven o'clock at night. And, and then you for a couple of years, we actually did dinner as well. So it would be seven in the morning till midnight. And you were there the whole time? Or you were I was to... there four days a week. But, you know, I lived two blocks away. Right. So, so you could do... I'd pop in on the weekends. And my brother was my partner, so we shared a lot of the responsibilities. But... You know, I was involved, even if I wasn't there. You're aware, you're thinking about it. You know, the weather changes and you're thinking like, do I have enough iced coffee brewed, whether or not you're there or not. How does that piece of it now apply to your new business? Like, because that had to be food on demand or coffee, like that thinking, I'm sure. And then also being a parent, I'm sure it's shaped... Is it shaped this new business to yes. be I mean, when I say or? that I wanted to intentionally create a business based on like, what do I have to say and offer? I also married that literally with, there's things I didn't want from the food space. And that's challenging because it's really, you know, I didn't want to open another restaurant. 
but I loved a lot of it. So I was like, how can I, how can I get both? And I thought, if I do a culinary studio, we're only open when I have a class. We're only open when I have a private event. I thought that alone created a different dynamic. It's also much more of a professional environment for me, if that makes sense. You know, at a certain point, a lot of times people say, you seem so young. And I, I often say, I've literally worked with 23-year-olds for the past 20 years. I just keep getting older. <laughs> it's really my life. <laughs> and there's, it's great to work around 23-year-old baristas, but they don't want to be there. It's their in-between job. It's their, this is fun for a bit. Now I feel so fortunate. I have a woman that works with me. Her name's Laura Southern. I just want to throw that out because she's amazing. But she's been with me since the beginning. She's a creative director. Even to have that title alone, like to think about marketing, social media, did all these things that really don't, maybe they do now, but they didn't play in as much with a restaurant. You open the door, people come in and out. There's lots of word of mouth. There's physical people coming in and out with your cup. I'm in a second floor of a warehouse now. I didn't think about that at all. I thought, oh, someone will come in here on Instagram and it'll fill up. It's like, oh, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. There's strategy. There's planning. And that is so great to have now. And I have a small team of people that, you know, feels like a more professional business-y type environment, even though it's still in the food space. So it feels like I get the best of both worlds. And I feel like a, a culinary entrepreneur versus a restaurant operator owner mm-hmm. that's like more right and yeah. it still well, is kind of. yeah sorry I know that people listening didn't see that I yeah. pushed my <laughs> don't worry I got you Michelle <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if that answered your question sorry I, I think didn't so. definitely awesome Michelle thank you so much thank you thank you yeah we were made for-